We'll be uh, starting in Isaiah 66 this morning. Um, if you want to be starting to turn there. Um, and while you're doing that, uh, how many of you guys have ever played uh, like a, a white elephant Christmas game? Um, just a show of hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, where you usually bring a gift. Typically, it's a gag gift. Um, something's going to make everybody laugh. Uh, sometimes they're nice. Usually those are the ones that get stolen. Um, you just go around the room, uh, draw a number, go around the room taking turns. Um, if somebody did draw a nice gift, typically their gift is stolen, and they draw a new gift, and then until it completes the circle. So if y'all have played that before, uh, my question is, how many of you guys have ever been um, received a Christmas present and opened it and wondered if it was a gag gift? Um, so I think that uh, that happens to all of us. I got a quick picture here for us. Uh, if I can get it to start. There we go. Um, so uh, y'all are probably all familiar with this. Uh, this is from a pretty iconic movie, The Christmas Story. Um, I think it's a horrible movie. I can't stand watching it. My sister thinks it's the best Christmas movie ever made. Um, so why am I talking about Christmas? So I'll, my intent today is to talk about good gifts. Um, and when we think about giving to God... Uh, we think about tithing, right? Um, and for the most part, that's not really what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'll touch on tithing. Um, it's important. Um, that's not exactly where I want to go completely. So um, when we think about gifts for us, uh, we think about all the bad gifts we've received, all the good gifts we've received. Um, and what's the difference? What makes a good gift? What makes a bad gift? Um, so just some things... Um, and talking with my wife yesterday. Uh, it's the things that take a good gift um, from a human perspective. Uh, that it's, it's heartfelt, um, that it's thoughtful, and it has meaning. Um, I'm, I'm guilty of giving some gifts after marriage that didn't meet those requirements. Um, doesn't go the best. Uh, this past Christmas... Um, the, the deacons, uh, typically go over to a Christmas dinner with the Struthers. Um, and if you were there, one of the questions was, what's a, a memorable gift? Um, and I'm not going to mention any names, but one of the couples, uh, they talked about a particular gift, uh, the, their first, uh, year of being married. Um, and they had the entire group just in tears. Um, and it was probably a good 15, 20 minutes of just them going back and forth and um, all the men telling the husband, Shh, you've said enough, <laughs> stop talking. Um, and it, it was a good time. It was hilarious. Um, and I think that we all have uh, those memories. So Isaiah 66, uh, we'll open there. And I've, I've got, um, I typically won't do this to you guys, um, I've got a lot of scripture references today, um, and that's one reason I did a PowerPoint. A lot of them will be on the PowerPoint, um, just to kind of save you from uh, flipping all over the place. I know that it's hard for me to focus listening to somebody preach when I'm flipping every 30 seconds to a different scripture. Um, so I'm trying not to do that to you guys. Um, so starting out, Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? 
And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus, all this came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. So this is what he's looking for. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. It goes downhill from here. But he who kills an ox is like one who slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. He who, suffer, he who offers a grain offering is like one who offers swine's blood. He who burns incense is like one who blesses an idol. As they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, so I will choose their punishments and I will bring on them what they dread. Because I called, but no one answered. I spoke, but they did not listen. And they did what was evil in my sight and chose that in which I did not delight. So just a really uplifting verse, right? Um, so what does God look for in the giver? Um, God looks for, we go to verse 2. Um, he's looking for humility. Um, that's the characteristic of what he says he's looking for. Um, so he's looking for contrite of spirit. That just means a repentant heart. Um, he's also looking for a fear of the Lord. Um, now when we think of fear of the Lord, um, it's, it's hard to really understand what, what that means. Um, we think of, when you think of what you fear, we typically think of something we're scared of. Um, and there's, it's more that than just being scared of God. Um, it's having a, a respect for God, um, a reverence for God, um, just kind of like a, in human terms, one way to think about it is I have a very healthy fear of electricity. Um, I'm not really scared of electricity. I think it's a great thing. Uh, it does great things. Um, but I'm not going to touch it. I've touched it before and it, it doesn't go well. Um, one, uh, one thing that happened when I worked for the fire department is uh, a taxi driver had pulled over the side of the road um, and fell asleep. And while he was sleeping, a storm came through and blew a power line over, and it landed on top of his car. And uh, so he called the fire department. Um, if if you ever call the dispatcher with an emergency, and they have no idea who to send, they'll send the fire department. And that, that's the way it works. So the fire department doesn't work electricity at all. Um, so we get there, and this guy is... He is freaking out. Um, that there's this electrical line on top of his car. He wants to get out. And we're telling no, don't don't get out of your car. Don't touch anything. Um, so he's he's just sitting there, and he's I mean he's in tears. He's upset. Um, we're, we're telling him, you know you're, you're fine as long as you sit still. Just stay. Don't do anything. Um, so we wait for probably an hour for the electric power board to show up, um, the electric company, um, and they get out. And the guy walks over to it and grabs it with his hand and throws it off the guy's car. And we're all like, what are you doing? Um, and uh, so my officer at the time, he said, oh, I'm glad you did that. And um, the guy from the electric company says, it's just 240 volts. It's not going to hurt you that bad. Uh, it's no big deal. Y'all could have done that and left. He said, look, I don't ask you to walk into a fire. You don't ask me to touch electricity. 
So I have a healthy fear of electricity. Um, I think most people in this room probably do, um, unless you're an electrician and you're crazy. But uh, so moving on. Um, so that's what it is. A fear of the Lord is a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord. Um, to know that God is all-powerful, God is holy, God is more than we will ever be, and we are nothing without God. Um, so to put yourself and your mind just into that is a fear of the Lord. Um, so what was the attitude of the giver? Why was the attitude of the giver wrong in verse 3? Um, so it says, They have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations. Let's go back to it because all these three, all these things sound good when you're reading them. Um, but he who kills an ox is like one who slays a man. Um, so why is it bad to kill an ox? Um, he who sacrifices a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Um, we think about Old Testament sacrifices, um, all the sacrifices they brought I mean, offered. Um, you know, a lamb is what we most associate with that. Um, so why is that like breaking a dog's neck? Um, the importance of that being a dog is, I didn't really know this until studying this week, that a dog in Jewish heritage is considered an unclean animal. But a lamb is obviously not. So it says, he who offers a grain offering is like one who offers swine's blood. Um, A grain offering is also another offering that the Jews are required to give. Um, So why is it like one who offers swine's blood, which is... A pig um, in Jewish and is Islamic culture is the most horrible thing they can think of. Um, in the book of Revelations, it talks about the abomination of desolation. Um, a lot of people associate that with uh, Nero. He came and put a pig's head on the temple. And so a lot of people believe that that was uh, what it's talking about there. Um, we don't hold to that belief, uh, but that's eschatology, and that's a different day. I'm sorry about the water. My mouth is pretty dry from the antibiotics. Um, so, um, and he who burns an incense is like one who blesses an idol. Um, so we're comparing all these good things on this hand to all these evil things on this hand. Um, and why is that? Um, so the clue is, um, how God closes it out, that they've chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. So they're coming and doing these good things and their heart is not where it should be. They're t- doing these just half-heartedly, um, just out of practice. Um, it means nothing to them. Um, and that's what these verses are saying here. So um, just going back to good gifts and bad gifts. Um, so God desires your heart. Um, I've talked about it several times in here, um, just with sin, that it's not the act that you're doing that's wrong. It's your heart behind it. Um, It's the heart behind sin that makes sin, sin. Um, So the first thing I thought of um, when reading over this was Cain and Abel. Um, All you guys are familiar with Cain and Abel. Um, You find their story in Genesis Four, um, and we're just going to go verses three through five. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, Abel, on his part, 
also brought out the firstlings of the flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. So we look at that. And the easy thing to look at is to say that God liked Cain's offering because Cain's offering was a blood sacrifice. Um, I mean, Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice. Uh, Cain was a farmer. Um, his offering would have been fruits, vegetables. Um, it means the, the fruit of the, the seed um, is what it's talking about there. Abel was a shepherd. His offering would have been an animal. Um, so we initially, we look at that and we do go to, you know, Abel's offering is blood. It must mean more to God than the fruit offering. And that's not the case. Um, the reason that Abel's offering meant more to God is um, because God values firsts and bests in our offerings. Um, verse 4 says, Abel on his part also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portion, which means the best. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. There's a lot to be said for our first offerings we give to God. Um, that's why when we tithe, um, it should be the first part of your salary. Um, that 10%, um, the first part you get should be set aside for the Lord. Um, when we wake up in the morning, God will truly honor if the first parts of your day are given in honor to him. Um, we spend time in prayer in the morning before we do anything. Um, just our hearts and minds are completely focused on God in that. So God values first and bests in our offering. Okay. So Matthew, let me flip there. Verses 20, I mean, chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier portion of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Um... So if you've ever read in scripture at all, you know that Jesus has a very high regard for Pharisees, right? Um, he absolutely does not. He calls them a brood of vipers. He's constantly hitting them because they are the exact people it talks about in Isaiah that are making all these offerings that mean nothing to them. They do them for show. Um, they do them just so they can feel righteous. He starts out talking about all the things they do tithe, mint, dill, cumin, um, all spices, we know, um, all very valuable at the time. Um, so they're offering these, and in doing that, they're thinking that they are so holy, they are so righteous above all these other people because they're making a tithe. Um, but they are, since they're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness, um, that these are the things God values, um, that they should have held on to those values and still kept the law. Um, still tithed. I wrote down that... Uh, 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 Alright. So, um, 
This is one thing you're not going to hear from a pulpit very often. Uh, tithing is not the only thing to follow in Christ. Yes, we tithe. Tithing is great. Um, but don't take so much pride in the fact that you tithe faithfully, let you overlook everything else in your life. Um, and that's what the Pharisees are doing here. Um, their offering to God is completely, completely skewed by the fact that they're not faithful. They don't practice mercy. They don't practice justice. Um, so everything that they're giving to God is just a joke. Um, back to Isaiah 66. That's what he's talking about here. So Matthew goes on, verses 25 through 26. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. So, uh, Everybody in here has eaten out before. Um, how many of you guys are sitting there drinking your drink at a restaurant and you look and there's something floating in the bottom of your cup or some dried ketchup or something nasty in your cup and you've been drinking it halfway now? Um, that's, that's the picture I get here. I remember being in a Waffle House one time um, and my drink was almost done and that's exactly what it was. I hope it was ketchup. But it was, it was just dried in the bottom of the cup. And it was, the, the waitress said, do you want more? And I said, no, I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I don't think I'm thirsty anymore. We think about just all the practice of, you know, shining the outside, um, making the outside look good. Um, there was a, another example I thought of too, but I... Uh, Decided against it on, you know, making things shiny, but they're still what you started with. Um, but the idea here is that you want everybody to see how good you are. Um, and that's what the Pharisees are doing here. They want everybody to see who they are. Marching through the streets, reciting their laws, um, reciting scripture. They want everybody to look at them and say, ooh, they're so great. But on the inside... They are completely spiritually dead. Um, there is no life in them. Which leads us to the last part of Matthew. Um, so if the inside is dirty, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. So, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones, and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, that's that same idea here, um, but he just takes it one step further. Um, you know, to think about a dirty dish and eating out of a dirty dish, that's disgusting. But to think about eating beside a decaying body is a lot more disgusting. <laughs> We don't want to be near that. And that's what Christ is saying here. This is one verse. Uh, it was a little too long for me to put it up here. So if everybody will turn to Luke 18. We're going to be doing verses 9 through 14. <coughs> Starting in verse 9. Chapter 18, verse 9. And he also told this parable to some of the people trusted 
He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Um, I'll stop right there real quick. Um, I read a quote recently. Um, I can't think of what theologian it was from. Um, but the gist of what he said is, if you look at other people and judge their sin as greater than your own, then you have no concept of what sin is. Um, because there's nobody that's worse than you are. Um, there's nobody that has more sin in their life than you do. But we're all sinners before God. Um, so picking up in verse 10. So two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So what he's doing here is the Pharisee is considered the high righteous people of the day. The tax collector, the most hated people in the Jewish community. Because they turned on their own people, they're thieves, they're murderers, hated people. So one Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithe of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now I chose this verse um, just with it talking about prayer and how we offer prayer. The Pharisees' take was that he was so great before God. Um, the entire prayer is about the Pharisee. Um, we've been talking about prayer in youth Sunday school. Um, and that's one thing we've been talking about. Uh, a lot of our prayer time that we spend is focused on us. Um, you know, our needs, our wants, you know, our desires... Um, just everything that's going on in our life um, and everything that, you know, is going on around us. Uh, and I'm just as guilty of the next person uh, of getting to the end of a prayer and thinking, man, like I didn't, I didn't pray for God's will to be done one time. I didn't pray for God's guidance. I didn't pray, you know, that God would just lead me in this. Um, that when we do that, we're trusting in ourself. We're not trusting in God. Um, we could have said nothing and accomplished the exact same goal. But, uh, says the tax collector, says he, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Um, said that he was unwilling to even look his eyes up into heaven. How much more of a reverence can we have to God than to put ourselves prostrate before him and not even have the audacity to look up at him? That, that is a fear of the Lord. Right there. 
So we must not judge ourselves according to someone else's sin. We must view ourselves according to God's word. And that is something that we, we do all the time. Um, that we, we judge our sin according to how somebody else is doing. Um, as if that's going to somehow make our sin better. I know, like I said, like I'm the guiltiest person speaking. Um, anytime I'm, I'm preaching to you guys, I'm talking as much, if not more, to myself every single time. But we, we cannot do that. Um, the, only, the only standard that we can be held up to is God's standard. And that's it. Um, that's the only one. What does this have to do with gifts? Uh, it has everything to do with gifts. Because when you are praying, it is a gift. You're giving that to God. Um, we give more, like I said, more than money to God. Um, we give our prayers. Um, we dedicate our lives to Him. And that's what this is talking about here. Um, our gift to God in prayer is about God. So what does God desire from us? So all these um, verses we've gone over are, are all examples of bad. All bad examples of how we should be before God. Um, so what are some good ones? All right. So Hebrews 10, 1 through 10. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things can never, by the same sacrifice which they offer, continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they who have ceased to be offered, because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had the consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, this is where it's going to get really good. Um, not that all scripture is not really good. Um, this is where it's going to get really good. Um, and if you're here today um, and you don't have a relationship with God, um, you don't know what I'm even talking about of giving offerings to God, then this is specifically for you. Um, this is for the believer and the unbeliever. So, so it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 5. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. This is Christ speaking, or about Christ. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above, Sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. So it's saying that all these Jews... They've made all these sacrifices according to the law, but God is not taking any pleasure in them. He said, Behold, 
I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. But this will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So Christ says he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Because God took no pleasure in all the offerings. Um, And the reason for that is, back to Isaiah 66, where we started out. The heart behind these offerings is so incredibly important. But Christ says he came to do the will of God. To live a perfect and sinless life and die and offer up a sacrifice that there was absolutely no way that we could do that. <coughs> if you'll flip over just to Hebrews 13, just a couple of chapters, um, he'll continue on. So therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. So Christ made the only sacrifice that God could take pleasure in. He died in such a brutal, horrible way that we could never even fathom it. Um, And in doing so, took on the sin of the entire world. Now talk about an offering that is pleasing to God. Talk about such a great gift. There is no greater gift that man has ever known than the blood of Jesus Christ. Ever. Now, how are we supposed to live according to Christ's example? He continues on. Um, Verse 15. Um, Through him then, let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. This is nothing about money, nothing about tithe. Let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. You know, we think about prayer. I said a few minutes ago that we think about, you know, all the things that we come ask for. Um, we think of such a, a small part of prayer, just supplication, and that's it. Um, but there's so much more in prayer that we can be doing, um, giving God adoration, adoration um, just adoring him for who he is and what he's done, um, making ourselves right with God through the confession of our sins. Um, Because Christ died for us. Um, God is faithful and just that he will forgive. So, let's continue on 16. And do do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So, in doing good and in sharing, so do we share. We share the word of God. We share Christ with those who do not have him. God is pleased with this. I haven't been clicking this. I'm way behind. I apologize. 
So it's impossible for the blood and bulls to take away sin. Behold, I've come to you. Okay. Right there. Okay. So Philippians uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 14. I told you I had a lot of scripture. Um, my Bible and the tabs looks like it's going to fly away here. Um, so chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How much does that sound like where we live today? In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Um, among whom you have, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. So do all things without grumbling or disputing. So why is that? Um, in offering ourselves as a sacrifice to God, we have no more rights to ourselves. Um, where God tells us to go, we go. What God tells us to do, we do. Um, so just to kind of put that in, in human terms, um, I know I've got a lot of small business owners in here. Um, so out of the small business owners or managers, anytime you're over somebody, uh, how great does it make your work day to hear all those under you grumbling and complaining about everything? It's horrible. Um, it makes for a long shift. Um, and I know just in my own personal experience, um, just being in like a, a leadership role, um, just to come in. And I work 24-hour shifts. So anybody works less than that, like I don't want to hear. <laughs> but uh, just for 24 hours, listen to somebody... Here, like how much they hate their job, how much they hate their life, how much they hate, you know, all that we're having to do. And I'm just like, get over it. Like you're getting paid to do it. Shut up. Like just, just do it. Um, but how much more does God have to hate to hear our grumbling and our complaining? Um, to know I sent my son to die for you. Everything you deserve is death. Um, but I sent Christ to die for you um, so that you may live. He died so that you may live. Like, what do we honestly have to complain about? Honestly, um, even if we have a, a miserable life, it's short in comparison. Um, we have eternity with God. So, do all of it without grumbling or disputing so that you'll prove yourself. This is why we do it. So that you'll prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So America is completely guilty of nominal Christians. Um, nominal just means that you don't take it very seriously. You're just Christian when you want to be. Um, so, America is completely guilty of this. How much does it hurt 
the cause of Christ. For us not to give our best offering daily. For people to look at us and see no difference from the world whatsoever. None. If you have salvation, you have so much to be grateful for. Um, like I said before, I am the most guilty um, of not having joy overflow from me. I guess not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before, uh, Bobby played something called the pineapple story. Uh, if you weren't able to come um, and see that, I highly advise for you to go to YouTube, type in the pineapple story. It's 56 minutes. That's the one you're looking for. Click on it. You will not be let down. Um, but in the story, he talks about, so he's a missionary in New Guinea. Um, and he's got, you know, all these problems with the natives, um, as you can imagine. Goes home for furlough, um, just like a short vacation. Um, tells God, I will go absolutely anywhere you want me to go. Just don't send me back there. Um, like I, I can't do this anymore with them anymore, God. Um, and then shares that if you, if you ever don't want God to send you somewhere, don't say that to God. I don't say, I'll go anywhere but, because that's where you're going to go. Um, and he did. He got sent back to New Guinea. Um, so he's had these horrible relationships with these people of New Guinea, these tribesmen, um, stealing his pineapples. <coughs> he gets back, and he's you know, completely reworked his life with God, um, renewed his joy, refound, found the you know, joy of his salvation. Um, so he comes, and all these tribes, tribesmen, they, they see a difference in him. They don't understand it. They don't understand what's going on. Um, and they, uh, one of them finally comes to him. He says, I, I know what's different about you. I know it. He says, you know, what is it? What is it? He said, you became a Christian. And the guy said, man, that cut me like a knife. Um, he said, you, you preach about it all the time, and we've always wanted to meet one. I didn't think I'd cry this time. Um, <laughs> so you preach about it all the time, and we've always wanted to meet a Christian. And we finally get to meet one. You became a Christian. And uh, he said he couldn't do, he couldn't do or say anything but say, you're right, like I, I became a Christian. Um, so in doing that, just really showing people the love of God. Do people look at us, when they look at us, do they see Jesus or do they see the world? And offering ourselves um, just as a sacrifice to God, they should see Jesus. They should see Jesus when they look at us. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. So we're going to do a tithing here. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to one cent. So one penny. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus. But she put in out of her poverty. Put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So this really has more to do with just tithing. 
Um, it has to do with giving in faith um, is not done out of what we have. Instead, it's done out of what we don't have. Um, so this widow, it talks about here in Mark, she had nothing to her name. But out of nothing, she gave everything she had to God. Just in complete reverence to him, trusting that he was going to take care of her. Um, we looked at the New Testament church. You see that people are constantly selling everything they own and giving it to the church. Why do they do that? Um, it wasn't to live in like some sort of like commune. It's because they knew that in giving up everything, that Christ would give them more in return. Um, and the danger in, in that is what we have today is it's known as prosperity gospel. Um, that if you um, see it a lot on TBN, um, if you send in a hundred dollars today to me, you know, God's going to send you a thousand. That's not the idea here. Um, the idea is that you give everything to God out of faith without any, any, like, expectation, exactly, without any expectation that you're getting back anything in return. Um, it's just in faith and obedience to God. So real quick, this verse, um, y'all have all heard, um, and I'm almost done, thanks for staying with me. Uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is your gift. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, so what we've been talking about the entire time, being a sacrifice to Christ, giving your life in such a way that he owns you. Um, he owns everything about you. And that goes so against the grain of American culture. Um, but we don't live by American culture. We live by the word of God alone. Jesus wraps a lot of this up for us. So what are the two greatest commandments? So we all know them, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So Mark 12, 28 through 31 is where you find this. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognized that he had answered them well, asking him, him's capitalized, talking about Jesus here, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Um, as I was reading this last night, kind of preparing for today, um, thinking that that one sentence really gets left out. Like, uh, honestly, like when I think about the two greatest commandments, I don't even associate that with this. Um, but it's such an important part of it. That the Lord, our God, is one Lord. There's nothing else. 
no one else. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So how are we doing that if we're living for ourselves? And the answer is we're not. Um, The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, if we're going to live a life that's dedicated to God, that life has to be lived in love. So our love for God is what compels us to live according to his will. Our love for others is how we imitate Christ and how people will know him through us. If you want people to know that you're a follower of Christ, then love them. Love God and let that love come through you to them. So just to wrap all this up, um, and in honor of Valentine's Day, um, speaking of good gifts, don't get a bad one. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-7. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. Um, so if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I have nothing And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, I do not have love. It profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So if you look through these verses, just with the eyes of all the things we've talked about today, um, all the verses we've talked about today, um, it is impossible to live as a holy sacrifice to God without love. Um, And that's what I'm leaving you guys with today. Um, That without love, we do not honor God. Um, If you want to know how to give God gifts that pleases Him, whether it be money, prayer, time, obedience, anything, look at it through the scope of love. If your relationship is right with God, and you love God according to what the Scripture says you should, then you will live and give the gifts that God desires. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for all you've given us. Thank you for your word and how it can cut to our heart. Father, I pray that you would just continually, Lord, cause us to examine ourselves in light of your word. 
Father, that we would measure ourselves according to what your scripture says. Father, I pray that just as a congregation, Lord, that we would be a light to this community and to the, just to the whole world, Lord. Father, I pray that you would revive us. Father, revive our hearts to be used by you. Let your love overflow us, Lord, and just flow out into the community around us. Father, into all the world. Father, I pray that you would cause revival to start here. Father, I pray that you would just continue to have patience with us, continue to give us grace and mercy when we displease you. Father, I pray that we would see ourselves for what we are. Father, but that in that, we would be able to find the hope and see ourselves according to you. Father, according to what you've done for us. Father, see ourselves covered in the blood of your sacrifice for our sin. Father, and that we would love you above all other things. Father, if there's anyone here today that does not know your love, Father, I pray that you would bring them forward. Father, if there's anyone here today that struggles with your love, Father, I pray that you would bring them forward. Father, I pray that you would use this church to surround those people, Lord, and let them know how much you love them, therefore how much we love them. Father, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. The invitation, hymn number 367. Thank you all for coming today. Um, I really appreciate y'all being here. Um, Please remember um, the Heck Jones offering, um, the WMU. Um, If you came into it and hadn't thought about it, uh, please, it's it's not too late um, just to bring that gift to Lois. Um, Brother Ed Thompson, do you mind closing us in prayer?